Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Rule the Ridge podcast. It's been a it's been a, a long season. It's been a very long season. It's kind of felt like two seasons in one, really. What with the post pandemic football and then this post pandemic football part two, wouldn't you say, Raj Baines? Yeah, it, it really has. It's been a, an absolute slog. Um, but it is what it is. You you're, you're ready for it to be over right like that last game of the season it was just well yeah that and and this season yeah 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 it's 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 been um it's been tiring and sort of emotionally draining and and all that sort of stuff i mean of all the of all the periods we could have chosen to have reignited our want to podcast this has been a a troubling one but we've not been short of material at least no that's true that's true i mean we don't need to do too much of a deep dive, but reflections on the season because I mean I think overall it feels like a it feels like a massive missed opportunity when you see pretty much how shit everyone else in the league was, and I mean let's not be fooled by recency bias. Yeah, Chelsea have ended all right, and well, actually Chelsea haven't ended all right. Chelsea had a, a little kind of new manager bounce under Tuchel and. Past few games have again been pretty crap. If we're gonna, you know, reflect upon that. But anyway, um, I mean, when you finish below West Ham in any season, you've got to be asking yourself some serious questions. Yeah, I mean, we could have easily made the Champions League. I'm not saying we could have challenged City all the way for the title. They kind of came into their own as a team that spends hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds. Often will do. If we were twenty percent more competent, we could have easily been in the conversation for second and third. Exactly. I, th- I think I'd, I'd seen somewhere on Twitter that Manchester United have finished second on a lower points tally than Spurs have finished fourth on in <laughs> like like a season previously or so. But it's uh, it has been disappointing. I mean, uh, there is always going to be this kind of air of. I told you so, or reflective, knee-jerking on on an appointment like Mourinho. Um, but it, you know, in in retrospect, it it's very easy to say that it's it's been a catastrophe, and I think we can probably say that to a to a degree. But do you? I mean, 
I still, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I, I still see the reasons why we brought him in and it's a shame that he ended up playing the hand he was dealt in the way that he did because, yeah, I think we've both made the case right on this podcast that he was dealt a pretty poor hand but he still played it woefully, didn't he? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, I think it says less about the the sort of the Mourinho tenure because we kind of whether or not you pick up a trophy or two on the on the route to this point, you know you get into this point regardless when you hire him. I think the ending is is guaranteed before the start. It's it's what you can get out of the the relationship while it's still functional that is sort of the the value proposition of, of hiring somebody like Mourinho. Um but what it sort of brings into light even further is just how bad that decision to get rid of Pochettino originally was. Um and it's something that in the past few days as as rumours have circulated and and apparently Levy has, has said it's uh, the biggest mistake of his career or something like that, whether that's a direct quote or or conjecture, I'm not sure. Um but it, it, it does kind of um shed some light on the fact that we should have um we should have been doing something entirely different than, than getting rid of that manager at that time because we there's nobody currently better on the market for us to bring in and than the man that we did bring in to replace him did considerably worse than he did and has negatively affected the, the wider club in a much more a long-term harmful way than than Pochettino ever did, even in his worst days. So it's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a troubling one. Um, but, it's a, it's a funny one, but it's sort of it's a it's almost as if we 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 shut the bed and then we fail to clean it, and then rather than attempting to clean it, we shut it a second time, and and now we've got two loads of shut beds to clean at once. The the, the funny thing is, and. You know, we won't we won't dwell on it for for much longer. But the, I still can't, in good faith, <laughs> say that. I mean, with with Mourinho, right? You you know you're gonna it's gonna end up like this, or it's gonna end up the complete reverse. And I can still quite clearly picture a world in which we're reflecting upon this season, or now today in particular looking at us going into a Europa League final, having won the League Cup and finished in the top four. And I, that could have been achievable under Mourinho. So I don't uh, I don't completely buy into this. Yeah, it, it's, it's easy. I'm not saying you're doing it, but I'm, what I mean is that like, you can look back on it and say it was a complete and absolute disastrous kind of call from Levy to, to do this. But I like we sort of said at the time, you can still see where he was going with it. And oh yeah, I completely understand the thinking behind it, and it's sort of we've we've rationalised the gamble he made more than once, and it's it's sort of something that we can, like you say, you can see the thinking behind. You can almost see the the ideal version of it if you if you try really hard. But I think in reality, now that we're on the other side of the the sort of experience, I just think there's. There's one too many variables that had to be dealt with in a manner that that wasn't likely to be approached in in such a way. There was, you know, stubbornness there from both sides that wasn't likely to change. There was 
um, you know, concessions to be made and, and pride to be swallowed that just there were too many different things and too many different factors that just appear to have been at play that that wouldn't have ended the season in, in, in any other way than the one that did it. Just it yeah. was um it was just that bit too different. And like I said, we, we it wasn't as if we were always bad. There were some good performances. There was that we started the season really well, but it's one of those where as soon as the players and the staff and the club in general were given the opportunity to sign kind of like give up on him and, and, and sort of, you know, and him almost give up on them and, and all that sort of stuff. It just, it wasn't conducive to, to a successful season and it wasn't, it wasn't something that kind of fit in. And there are, I think certain clubs have certain personalities and, and certain ways and atmospheres of working and it, it always felt an odd fit with him being at Tottenham and I think that's that that's what was borne out. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for him to have um to have come in and tried to make a culture change. I think some of the things Harry Kane's alluded to and said uh, actually have a bit of credence and weight behind them. They're you know a little bit troubling when you you're trying to gauge the the mentality of your squad and what have you. If your if your best player is is openly questioning that as well, um, but that's not something we haven't said for you know a decade or two, if not longer. Anyway, about this this football club in general is is questioning the mentality and the solidity of it and the sort of the pride they have in themselves and the belief they have in themselves and all that sort of stuff. So it's to try and challenge that and change that um, isn't necessarily the wrong thinking, but probably the mythology behind it was was wrong. Uh, you can't really do it by force. You almost have to do it by stealth. And I think that's what, in the best days of Pochettino, we, we weren't soft-centred. We weren't a pushover. And it wasn't something that he came in and and sort of um, and beat all the players up and did it as sort of an authoritarian, as, as Mourinho would like to, or... Or just, you know, it sounds like he drops hints and leaves it to the players themselves to be adults and, and work out, which, you know, there, there's something to be said for that, in my opinion, for, for these people to take some sort of responsibility and, and ownership over their own shit. But sometimes they need to be spoon-fed and sometimes they need to be tricked into things. And I think Pochettino was probably a bit of a, a dabberand at that, a, a, a sort of um, almost by stealth making them a... A stronger unit and, and harder to beat and um, you know whether that's right or wrong is up to them but you know even the best teams like Manchester City they're not they're not necessarily like this amazing you know mental outfit or anything uh, with amazing self-belief they started the season poorly and the only thing that that really changed that and made them believe in themselves is when they started playing football better and you know, same with Liverpool, they were amazing last season and they had that mentality monster bullshit, um, which, you know, the the season after, as soon as they start getting beaten and there's a couple of injuries, they're getting tonked 7-2 off Villa. So I think it's one of those things that I think when it's your own club, you might you might make a bit more of it. You, it might be a bit something that's a bit more sort of in your mindset and a bit more prevalent to you, but I think it's probably evident at all clubs when you're not winning, and it's just one of those things that naturally comes with with a better team and a better set, of, better, set of, better set of results. Sorry. Um, so it's yeah, it's just uh, it's unfortunate because, like you say, we were 
as bad as we were and as boring and as disappointing as this season has been, we were still within touching distance of of the top four. And it's a couple of couple of results that that really should have gone the other way that that have gone against us. All those leads we let slip in the last minute. All those. Um, you know, dodgy and balls against Newcastle and all that sort of shit. We would have, we would have so snuck close to top four, and it it shows you the also the just the quality of the league at large. And I think as much as people, oh, lack of well, yeah, exactly, and the kind of scorn and everything that I think I would say large circles of the media are currently pouring upon Tottenham, especially with the context of Harry Kane needs to get out now asap. I mean. The, the overall quality of the Premier League has been dismal this season. Um, and so I think kind of having this concentrated view upon Tottenham, if, if, you, if you think about just how bad we've been and we have still n- narrowly, and it is narrow, it's the most narrow margins, relatively speaking, have missed out on Champions League football, even debatably finishing third or second. And we can, we can, as you've done there, we, we can pinpoint exact games and exact moments that wouldn't have really taken... Yeah, it had Mourinho been a bit less stubborn and brought Bale on a few more times like we saw in that last game of the season against Leicester, how Bale can come on and just change a game. But Mourinho, whatever, had worked into his head that he was going to make a point to whoever, Bale or to Levy or to anybody that he was in charge... He just shot himself in the foot, and that 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 that's kind of the the main thing for me with Mourinho. I think the the biggest disappointment is that it felt like he was already dealing with a, a kind of you know a a pretty kind of I think we can say now maybe slightly toxic environment. It seems that as though the dressing room isn't all quite together. It probably wasn't all together in the tail end of Pochettino's reign. And he's never really galvanised that. It seems more like he's he's pitted them against one another and he's tried to make examples of people. And like you say, it's just... It, it needed to be handled a bit more delicately now um, because, as people have long said, you know, footballers are just different now. People are different. Generations change and the way society views things and the way we speak to each other and the way we interact with one another it changes and you know i i think Mourinho, it's it's trite and it's what everybody's always said but you know he's just obviously seemingly not wanted to keep up with that and that's part of i think his stubbornness and his self-belief and how he backs himself is part of what's made him the person he is today as in a great winner you know whatever you think about him you, you still cannot say that Jose Mourinho isn't one of the the greatest managers of all time because he just is like it's just a fact but it doesn't mean that he's he still is now you know it's, it's a historical lens um and I mean <laughs> I think at the tail end of it one of the one of the main things that's worried me about Spurs about Levy um, and perhaps Levy's kind of place within football now, um, almost yeah. As I've sort of drawn parallels to him and Mourinho before, but I I still kind of hold on to that in that 
you know, this sort of young maverick who was would fly in the face of <laughs> the the establishment, if you like, and kind of make his own rules and make a name for himself and be a somewhat divisive figure, but somebody that people begrudgingly respect now just kind of seems a bit out of his depth, kind of looks like he's floundering a bit. And I think no more so has that been highlighted by this whole Mourinho saga and not not really even in the appointment of him. It's more in the 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 timing of the sacking, perhaps. Um, it's still, to me, it seems a bit strange to have gotten rid of him a couple of days before a cup final, especially considering he's the bloke you brought in to win cups and you know of his final records. Um, but also just the... The, the obvious clear lack of plan out the tail end of it. I mean, the fact we've appointed a, yeah, okay, sentiment aside, a vastly underqualified child to, mm-hmm. to, to, to steady, not just Tottenham Hotspur, which is now, you know, whatever people want to talk about as bottle jobs or, you know, shining a turd and all this sort of stuff. We're a globally recognised franchise now, and it's yeah, you know, it's 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 de- depressing to to reduce football to those terms now. But that's what we are. We're a we're a, we're a, we're a megalith of a club, and we were handled by somebody that you know was probably even less qualified than Tim Sherwood was to to yeah. come in, and we we no, we laughed at that. And the club is bigger. Than the club that Tim Sherwood took over, and massively, and, I, and it's not just that; it's just the, the the staff he had as you know, as nice a money as Chris Powell's a failed League One manager and led this done half a season as assistant. So it's you know, it's it, not as if there were a, sort of a, an amazing sort of no. mind trust behind him. No, and and that that stuff aside, it's not only are they having to do that; they're having to take over a squad that clearly isn't getting along very well um, mm-hmm. and is clearly under a lot of pressure and is feeling this constant media kind of scrutiny, not only of having been the team that failed under Mourinho, is having to deal with all the kind of toxicity and everything that, that, that a Mourinho tenure will kind of whip up. You know, we've, we've kind of had the Mourinho experience condensed sans trophies you know it's it's just it's it's so perfectly Tottenham it, it it's you know I don't think you could it's a sort of it's a sort of catastrophizing we do ahead of an event being like well you know what's going to happen when it's when you're talking about Tottenham and that's exactly what's happened we I think we all openly joked that we weren't going to win a trophy under Mourinho we'd be the first team actually that he wouldn't win a trophy under a barring I think whatever amateur team he managed in his early career, um, and just the 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 kind of the 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 manager hunt that we've seen the past few weeks has been, on honestly speaking, mate, I've I've found it, like I said previously, farcical. I found it alarming just how this has been handled. It seems to be that the club are leaking things to the press there doing whatever to kind of almost gauge how fans will feel about things. And the the fact that there's 
serious seemingly conversations being had with somebody like Roberto Martinez I mean come on it's like it's like Levy's got this old list of names that were relevant in football that he is still going from 10 I mean I'm pretty sure we were heavily linked with when Roberto Martinez was a young promising manager at Wigan we were linked mm-hmm. with him and I think there was a part of a few of us that were like, well, you know, I could see that happening. Roberto Martinez, not a bad shout, but it's entirely different it's, context. It's, it's, exactly now, and it's it, you almost, you know, you don't want to just kind of buy into this idea from people that perhaps aren't in the know that you know, like us, that people who are just speculating based upon our hunch, our kind of educated guesses, having you know, being very closely affiliated with football, with Tottenham in particular, seeing the kind of landscape, knowing how these things generally develop. But at the end of the day, we're still we're still kind of stabbing in the dark, if you like. But you, 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 when you hear stuff like this, you, you cannot help but escape from that kind of, that Occam's razor-like truth that Daniel Levy now really just is just so out of touch, that he's just so out of date with 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 what the fans want, with what football is now, with with even really the kind of the, the, the size of the job that Tottenham is now, to to seriously consider people like even I mean even someone like Rafa Benitez. Like fine, Rafa Benitez instead of Ryan Mason to see out the end of the season. I could just about understand that. You know? Yeah, he would have probably got the top four to be fair to him. Yeah, exactly. But and I mean, maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe that's maybe maybe we're doing Daniel Levy a disservice. Maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe he didn't want to make a rod for his own back again, like United did with Solskjaer. Maybe he brings in Rafa Benitez. Rafa Benitez gets his top four, and then Daniel Levy's having to face the media scrutiny when we do end up appointing Graham Potter or whoever. Why did he mm-hmm. get rid of Rafa Benitez? Another mistake from Levy. You, you, I think you know? that's why he. Um, Who knows? I think that's why he sacked Mourinho when he did because he um he lets Mourinho be in charge another week and he somehow wins the cup. Can't get rid of him anytime soon. And if he's just if he's creating a stink behind the scenes, but he's a cup winner, uh, it's he can't. The optics of that are even worse. Um, and a lot of this is is optics. A lot of what. A lot of what Levy and the club do is is optics, and I think the reason why sort of this is such a a vital and interesting period for them is is this is a really make or break sort of juncture where they can try and repair the majority of the of the wrongs they've done over the past two years because it's been a a category of errors one after the other from. From the Pochettino sacking to the hiring to the following sacking to the you know lack of involvement in the market before that uh, Super League ticket costs all this sort of shit that's just slowly chipped away at you know any goodwill they had before any sort of um, credit they'd built up with us um, any you know goodwill they'd had from the stadium and all that sort of stuff has, has dissipated now to the point where. I think the majority of people are, are annoyed with them and upset with them and, and would probably like to see a change. And the people who, who were always that way inclined, even when things were good, uh, are more vocal than ever. Um, and that's shifting from a, 
a vocal minority to a somewhat approaching a, a majority. So it's it's a it's a huge period for for Levy on on the the board in general to kind of repair all of the shit they've they've done wrong because I think before this, I think the fan base was was kind of split in a in, in the most harmonious way they could be around the ownership because there's people who just like to support football teams and be involved in football just to moan because it's and they're not really moaning about the football they're moaning because they're live shit and they hate the work and they you know they don't want to go to their job and and football's a thing on the keyboard or in a stand they can get their frustrations out and then if there's a, a pantomime villain like Levy who's, you know who they can you know be the lightning rod for all of their hate and, and disappointment then then so be it but there's there's more level-headed people who sort of could see the rhyme and reason behind the decisions we made and and obviously all of them have been right we, you know they couldn't have possibly have been given the state that we're currently in but it's um I, I'm really interested and in, in sort of really quite um intrigued to see what the direction of the club is going into next season because there's there's so many different factors at play now that that kind of dictate the the immediate future and 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 possible success of of what this team and club can be and and given where we've built from and what we're building towards it's either a complete derailing of that or we we do some some way of of recapturing the the journey and path that we were once on in, in a quite um, encouraging and, and enjoyable way. So it's which of those forks of the road we go down, we're yet to be seen. Well, it's probably a, a good point to to raise now because a, an interesting um, development has happened just as been, we've been recording. Um, Antonio Conte's, been announced. No, Conte's just uh, left enter. Has he? Yeah, well, it's, it looks as though it's it's yeah eight minutes ago, as um, it's kind of yeah it's trending now saying that. Con- wow. So I mean, but that that it seems to be that uh, that that will be Madrid that he'd go to. No, oh, of course it is. Um, but I mean, if that makes you know Zidane available to go to PSG, then uh, you know. <laughs> Who knows what could happen uh, at the tail end of that? But oh, if PSG fans are getting Conte in, you never know. You never know. Um, it could be an interesting merry-go-round, though. And I think the thing with that PSG thing, I know I might be jumping ahead to see it slightly with the Pochettino. Well, it's naturally it's, coming up, though, isn't it? If they were entirely wedded to Pochettino and there was no chance of him coming back whatsoever, that would have been extinguished already. Quite sort of. Ferociously, they would in the same way that we brief the press and we leak what we want to leak and everything. One of the French journalists would have already put out that you know PSG no interest in second Pochettino. They're happy with what they are and all that sort of shit. It's been none of that. Like literally, no no noise from them whatsoever. Talking against this happening, it's almost as if like if Spurs come in and, and offer him some money, it saves him the hassle of having to go for another season with him. Um, Do you think we're going to swap him for Serge Aurier? <laughs> I, d- I mean, if that's a possibility, I'd fucking do it in a heartbeat. 
Um, yeah, uh, I didn't even think of that, to be honest. It's very uh, very American sports, trading coaches for players, but I'd, um, I'd, I'd entertain that idea, certainly. It's, it's a global game now, isn't it? It's a, it's a yeah. franchise game, so, you know, they, they wanted the ESL and all the frills that come with, with American fandom. That's, uh, to be fair, the PSG didn't, but they only didn't because they're in bed with UEFA. But that's yeah, except they're basically own UEFA, don't they? Really? Yeah. So, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it, it is. I mean, it is. It's funny, isn't it? Because you can always if things. Recency bias always plays a part, right? And you always have this habit of thinking when you when you're caught in a moment that this is entirely pivotal this is this is everything this is make or break but you know it, it really does at the moment feel as you say a particularly critical point in time for for Tottenham and you just don't I just really don't want to see us piss away another two seasons under somebody like Martinez because to me it's just it's just a disaster for not just on the pitch, but for the stuff that Levy arguably cares more about the brand, the value of the club, the, the status of the club within the footballing pyramid. You know, we've, we've Mm -hmm. spent the past, what, two decades really fighting tooth and claw to, to, to really climb the greasy pole of football. The, 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 the fact that, once upon a time, and I not even once upon a time, quite clearly within my living memory, I remember the the time of even considering Tottenham finishing in a Champions League place was seen as laughable. You know, oh, it, yeah. it was ludicrous. It was it was a far flung fantasy. Um, but the fact that we've actually come full circle to to appear in a in a Champions League final. The the last time we got even close was in the sixties when we were the best team in Europe, and even then we only made the semis. You know, um, it's and in the fashion we fucking made it as well. You know, it's it, it, uh, what what we've built to 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 see that kind of fall away because we have a a chairman that I don't know that. That if he he doesn't want to admit he's got it wrong or that he doesn't have all the answers, I don't know. We can only speculate, but you know, it it really is going to take some some voices around him perhaps to say like, you know, look, let's let's bring someone in. Whether that is, I mean, everyone's sort of clamouring for this Ralph Rangnick to be our director of football, but I mean, does anybody really know like the pedigree of this bloke? Like, is he? I mean, he's, he's, I think the, the reason for it is that I think people see somebody of that sort of stature and, and in that sort of a role essentially puts a buffer between Levy and football operations, which isn't a, a bad thing. No, not um, at all. And it's something that's been discussed for a number of seasons now. And whether it's Ranjik, who's done a, a you know, a clearly a good job in, in sort of aligning the the footballing ambitions of all of the Red Bull teams, you know, as disgusting as that that sort of a thing in an enterprise as that is, in a footballing sense, he, he you know, you can't really argue with what he's done and the, the the sort of things he's put in place across them to make them, 
you know, outside of the fact that a marketing exercise, um, you know, legitimate football in operations. Um, and then the other one that's that's always been uh, sort of an option and, and been mentioned, but never seemed to have happened, even though like a couple of times, I swear, it's been like leaked or rumoured that he's like joining this summer or as soon as he's, you know, he's worked his notices here is Lewis Campos, yeah. but he's still at Lille. Like, uh, he's no closer to joining us now than he was two years ago. So it's strange. You know, Levy doesn't strike me as a man who, who enjoys giving up any sort of... Um, power or autonomy but perhaps this uh, this past 18 months might persuade him that you know taking himself out of the firing line and giving somebody else the reins for a little while and it won't be full control but at least um a bit more of a steer might not be the the worst idea in the world he's done it before with baldini and what have you and obviously that didn't go hugely to plan but i don't think he'd entirely I don't think it was entirely bought in at that point. I think it was, you know, it was just more of a figurehead with a, a list of contacts than it was actually somebody getting to do the job with, with somebody just signing off the, the checks, which is what the relationship should be. Um, so it's yeah, it, it's sort of a, the noise coming out of the club is is the right sort of noise. The people who are being shortlisted now. Um, you know, if if rumours are to believe, Ranjik, Potter, Ten Hag, it makes sense that they're going after people who could be here for five to ten years rather than two to five. So it's more of a long-term project. It's more of a, you know, a, a steady incline, somebody who can, you know, give footballing ideas across more than one iteration of this squad, you know, rebuild the current one and possibly do another one after that and just, you know, it be another sort of era, a coaching era rather than, you know, the Chelsea model of, of swapping every couple of years and that sort of a thing. Because there, there are, there's two ways of doing it. You either, you either just invest in your squad fairly heavily every window possible and put a coach in charge who can at least in the short term get the best out of a squad as possible and as soon as personalities come into it you fuck them off and get a new block in and, and you rinse and repeat and that's what Chelsea have done for for what over a decade now and it hasn't you know hasn't done too badly for them but that's what they are it, it kind of fits their club model and their club mentality it's a it's a vacuous sort of um it, it it but you 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 sort of nail it there in the respect that the last kind of real when I think about like a Chelsea dynasty or a Chelsea like a real something that I would kind of hard identify as Chelsea is the is the sort of Mourinho era the Drogba Lampard Terry kind of the that core unit where it felt like a project, it felt like something that they had solidified and built around. But since then, it's just that only lasted like two and a half years. Though. Yeah, but but what I mean is like it's it's that and the kind of the the players they built around that 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 to me was the kind of most clearly identifiable last Chelsea, if you like. From that point now, all I kind of see is just like. Like you say, a revolving door of managers, of players, 
yeah, they've had a few that they can hang their hat on here and there. Eden Hazard, mostly because he scored a goal, you know, a few goals against Tottenham <laughs> at pivotal points. But really, I don't, I don't look at Chelsea and think like, wow, there's a fan base that's wedded to their team, wedded to their players, wedded to a manager, wedded to a philosophy or anything like that. And you know, fair enough, they've they've had success. They're about to play in a Champions League final again. Um they're, you know, finished in the top four. They've won the league more times in probably in the past decade than Spurs ever have in, in our existence. But Still, I mean, it just seems like such a flat experience. And even, you know, that might be partly due to the money they spend in sort of lavish fashion and the means by which they acquired that wealth. But even when I compare them to somebody like City, at least City seem to have some sort of a clearer remit on wanting to even if it is a facade, establish some sort of DNA, establish some sort of identity, uh, uh, an idea of who they are. Ch- Chelsea just seems to be nothing. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's, it, I just think there's something so overwhelmingly boring about what they are um, that doesn't, doesn't really appeal to me. And I think we, you know, maybe... It was tempting at the time and I probably got sucked into it with with the appointment of Mourinho of like, oh, well, you know, we've got a good squad here. Let's just see if he can get it over the line. But I think now it's it has been a learning and I think the, the idea that our next manager should be somebody who has a, has a vision and is given a path of, you know, it's it's not going to be a quick fix. It's not going to be an easy solution because that's not what we're looking at. Because you know, surely, surely the board by now know that whatever whatever funds they are going to make available to a new manager, we're still not going to have the sort of funds to drastically overhaul this club in the space of a summer in order to challenge next year. This this is it. It is now. There's no escaping it. There's no escaping it for the board. They've we've we've spoken about this before. They've made that rod for their own back. They've they've elevated Tottenham to the point that they are, where they have to spend a lot of money to keep up to stay in in the position of a team that is befitting of a a stadium and a project and a brand and all all the wanky modern football stuff that we can all rally against, but doesn't make it go away that now exists and Tottenham need to we need to at least maintain par and that par really is qualifying for if not at least challenging for the top four and and not in this kind of de facto sense that we've done it this year um is is actually making a a proper fist for it you know and that's only going to come with investment but at the same time we want it to be a calculated investment because we we're not you know we we're simply not a team that can say, oh, fifty mil John Stones isn't working out so well. Let's bring in sixty mil Laporte. All right, sixty mil Laporte's having a bit of a wobble this year. Let's bring in seventy mil Ruben Diaz. Like you know, it's it, mm-hmm. it, it, it and 
yeah, we we can applaud Pep Guardiola for being able to at least deal with these players to be able to implement, you know, a, a, a tactical plan on a match day and adapt his team, play basically play the hands that he's dealt. Although to say he's dealt any sort of hand seems almost farcical because it always seems to be pocket aces. But still, it's the the the. the what Manchester City are is is not something that we can really compare ourselves to. But what we do need to do is is build a team. And it's, it's, Pochettino said this. You know, it's it was it was exactly what Pochettino said to Lineker in his last season, ahead of his last season, about the painful rebuild, about the fact that now Tottenham are in a place where we are we've got everything in place to take that next step, but. We have to be brave. It's not just about balancing the books anymore. Now you're here. Now you're punching at this level. You've got to maintain that. And, you know, I think this brings us quite neatly onto, basically, just to to stop my waffling any further on this point, (laughs) is that one of the the main parts on this, really, is is the future of Harry Kane, right? And... uh, there's 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 a there's an emotional reaction to this that I think we've all had, um, and there's a very, I think, a cold, detached one that you can have that, and I, I don't think there's a I've place. I've had several to, emotion reactions to it, to be honest. Precisely, and I I don't think there's any need to have a hierarchy in this. You know, at the end of the day, we're we're human beings, and we're a, we're a swell of emotions, and we're a swell of different thoughts and feelings. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's best that. These things aren't aren't set in stone, and I think even for somebody like Kane, it's 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 there. But I mean, he's going to be looking at this now, thinking twenty seven, just about to turn twenty eight. He's just had the arguably the best season of his career. He's in, and got nothing to show for it. Precisely, once again, absolutely nothing to show for it. I still think we'd be having this conversation if we'd won the league cup because it's it's yeah. it's not enough for a for a player like him. He deserves to be in the Champions League. He deserves to not have, you know, it's not just him alone, but this is the most recent example of it. A journalist like Henry Winter talking about England strikers and just completely leaving Harry Kane out of that conversation in an almost ludicrous fashion, talking about Mason Greenwood as being the most natural and accomplished finisher in the England squad. Like, this is this is just like borderline... It's bizarre. You know, all the, all those comparisons we saw earlier on in the season, I, I kind of get the point of, of this is partly due to the marketing buzz, but still, the fact that Erling Haaland is spoken about as having overtaken all these different players... And the one name that's omitted from the list is Harry Kane, who was the one that actually held the fucking record in the first place. It's, it's just it's. That's and as we saw from that Neville interview, things like that do bug Kane. They 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 of course they they drive him and they inspire him to greatness. But I I can see from from the man's perspective, where he will be right now is the only reason I am. Now, I've given everything I can and the reason why I am getting omitted and spoken about in this fashion is because of the failure of the team I play for. And I, 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 I one thing I will, I, I do just want to say very quickly and 
have on record, even though I have joked about it in the past, one of the things I, I've truly resented, and this is from Tottenham fans out the tail end of this Harry Kane stuff, is that, well, if he wanted trophies so much, he should have shown up in the finals. It's like, come, like, let's be real here. I think there's a lot of people we can blame for Tottenham not having won stuff <laughs> and not having tasted as much success as perhaps we could or should have done over the past few years. But I think one person that has so much credit in the bank that, you know, he's just got, he's got, he's got a bank balance akin to the Manchester City owners in this respect is that it's Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know my hot take about Kane in finals? Go for it, mate. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I don't think you should have played in either one of them. Well, I mean, it's... I mean, hindsight's to catch 22, isn't it? Hindsight's 2020 and... Um, and at the time, I completely agree with the decisions. And if we had to do them again, I'd want him to play entirely. And I don't disagree with playing him at all. But if we're going to turn around and, and blame him for not playing well in the finals, I don't think he should have played. Um, Champions League finally wasn't fit. And he wasn't he, close to fitting the Champions no, League final. An empty, it was an empty shirt at best. And the same in the League Cup finally rushed himself back. Um, and these are... You know, some of it is a credit to him. His sort of his his perseverance, his will to win, his you know, you know, putting the side before self and all that sort of stuff. But at some point, he's got to kind of go. Oh, is a realistically a five, six out of ten Harry Kane going to be better than a you know a fully fit Vinicius or somebody else or playing Sunny down the middle or something like that? Are we are we going to have a better crack at it if? if there's 11 players out there who are all match fit rather than 10 players who are match fit and me trying my best to play myself back into fitness and form in, in a final. The, the um, funny thing is, like you say, it's hindsight, it's twenty twenty. but in that Champions League final, you don't start with Kane. Yeah, whatever happens, the same same scenario happens. Liverpool are 1-0 up after 20 seconds. But you bring Harry Kane on in the 70th minute when it's a deadlock, practically a deadlock still. That puts the shits up Liverpool, and it means mm-hmm. he's got more time to just explode within the last twenty minutes of a game when he is half fit. He's got that motivation. He's 
been left out. He's felt the burn of that, of not starting. Give the boys a lift of seeing him come on. You know, imagine you seeing him warm up on the halfway line, you know, getting his tracksuit off and you're like, fuck, that's it. Kane's coming it's on. Not an, it's not an isolated yeah. incident. I mean, it's there was not. that time a flat he got to the final and, and rushed Diego Costa back and he lost it about 10 minutes. And, you know, it's a, it's a thing like, you want your best team available and your best player available. Well, Liverpool did it the year before with Salah, didn't they? You know, mm. and so it's it's just one of them. It's you kind of um, yeah, but I I'm only saying that because it would have saved him, saved people saying that he he didn't he didn't perform in it or you should have played. He he just wasn't fit, um, and you know the thing is, if he was at the type of club that he would he would want to be joining after leaving us. It's not a fucking chance in Ellie's playing in either of those finals no. in the state he was in. Um, and he's not... We've said this before, he's... Going somewhere else is an entirely different proposition to him. He's just another very good player in another very good team. He is not... He's not all the things that puff his chest up and um, clearly are important to him at Tottenham. He, he, he doesn't go in and become Mr. Manchester City. He doesn't go in and become Mr. Manchester United even. Um, he's not the front and centre there because uh, there's there's other personalities and other stories for those clubs that are better, more marketable opportunities. I'm sure he'll be a fantastic player and servant, but he's never going to live up to to players that have come and gone before or be appreciated in the same way. And, and you know, he might not give a fuck if he picks up two, three Premier Leagues, a few cups and you know, players know a few more Champions League fans and stuff, he probably don't give a fuck. He, he might do the Sheringham thing of, of you know, sign a five-year deal there, winning all he can do in that time, and then going, oh, I'll go back to Spurs on a free now. They're not going to say no to me. I can finish off getting my records there and, you know, I've scratched the trophy itch and all that sort of shit. But it's just... um It's a strange one because I don't think... I don't think he, he fully... I'm not sure he fully enjoys a move if he gets to go because I don't. Think, he doesn't get to be this version of himself, this player that we've seen this season. He doesn't get to be butcher, baker, candlestick maker. And I know that to a certain extent, he doesn't want to have to be that and he doesn't want the pressure of having to carry an entire team on his back and he wants more competent people around him to be able to pick up the slack and contribute to the same level he does. But... That's uh, he's gonna have to share his food more often as well, and he he doesn't strike me as a as a man that is fully going to enjoy doing that, and I think he might rub some up people the wrong way. Here well, this is it, mate. You know, he he signs for City, and like you say, there he's going to be faced with somebody like Kevin De Bruyne screaming at him. This is where I play. Stay in the fucking box and get on the end of what I give you. Do you know what mm. I mean? He's gonna, and then if he tries to get kind of choppy about that, he's he's gonna have other big voices in that city dressing room saying like, "No, mate, you don't, you don't get to swing your dick around here." Like, and there's every chance Guardiola goes, "Oh, in this big game against uh, Chelsea or whatever it is, we're not playing a striker today. We're going with a, a false nine, and we're doing this, and uh, we're gonna play Jesus and and two wingers because he's got more pace than you. He'll yeah, get behind it." Defenders. You're going to be on the bench, and you'll be on the you'll come on in the seventieth, eightieth minute, and he'll be. Yeah. You can uh, come on when Kevin's knackered, you know. Yeah, exactly, and and if he doesn't, if by some some chance he doesn't go in and hit the ground running, or doesn't 
uh, immediately take to Guardiola's tactics in almost a Mares-like sense. It's taken Mares two years to get to the point where he's actually, you know, contributing week in week out and actually getting a fair run in the team, and that was a huge sign. And he's a brilliant player. Like, is he? Are they gonna, you know, let him be him from day one? That's another question, and they might have to if they pay the type of money for him that we're going to be asking. Like by default. People are going to be going, you know, that bloke that you've made a £200 million investment on is going to have to play some fucking football sooner rather than later. But it's just, none of it's guaranteed, none of it's certain. It's not as if he's a, he doesn't just go and play a role like a Kyle Walker does. Like, especially in an attacking sense, it's, there's far more to take into account. It's just, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one for him. I mean, he's the... The only realistic place I can see him going is City. I don't think even with offering us every one of their cast-offs, Man United can put a, put together a package interesting I, I, enough I, I for still, us. You know, it might be naive. I still think there, must, there would be that nagging doubt in a player like Kane's mind as well of like, if I jump to United and I have the whole circus of being the most... Because let's be honest, it would be the most expensive British player of all time... Do I want to go somewhere where I'm still not guaranteed to win the Premier League? Because that's what he wants, right? He wants to win the Premier League. And the only places he's going to win the Premier League, as you say, are City or arguably Chelsea, if he signs for them. We're not doing business with Chelsea. And Chelsea are the most likely to actually put together a package in the way that's been discussed between players and um, and money that will entice us. But I still, I st- Levy and Roman are not fucking... Doing that, like their their relationship is non-existent. Then they're, they're not discussing it. Like, I would, I would, maybe... I would love, I would love to have the certainty to say that, mate. But just with this club, and like I say, with the catastrophizing as we always do, I, I cannot. I just, I, I never want to say never on anything. And there's just there's something uncomfortable. And I get it. I, I completely get the rationale, and I completely. I don't think. See um, I don't think Kane would do it either. Because oh, I think, I think he'd do it in a heartbeat, mate. And I hate to say that, but I think he really. Jump. I think he because go. some of the stuff that's come out about him asking what it's like to live up north and everything is sort of. It almost seems as if he's doing even with the the interviews he's done and stuff. There is a an element of of what he's doing that is legacy protection as well, and not just in case he stays at the club, but I think he wants to. I don't think he wants to burn his bridges. I do think it's one of them where, in almost like a bail-less sense, he, he would want to have his heroes welcome at I, some I, point because he knows... I, I agree to to an extent. I guess this is sort of what... I and that to, goes if he goes yeah. to Chelsea. Like, he's he's fucked. He's, he's, I do, it's not as bad as Campbell, but it's, it's you know... I think, it's, I think it's not far off, mate, at all. Yeah, really. it's, it's not far off, but yeah. it, it's not as bad because oh, of all the, the context of that, but it's, it's not far off. I mean, the... The, the 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 thing for me is that w- with this with this Kane stuff, I because I agree with you. I think he's protecting his legacy to to the extent that he probably. I, I mean, I think to be honest, I think the execution of this whole thing. I was gonna sort of ask you in separate, like, have you been disappointed with him at all? For, for all the rationale and for all the understanding that we have of of Kane's decision making to to want out of the club as a concept yes i understand me personally speaking i think this sky bet stuff this 
chat with Gary Neville, just just in my opinion, I think has been ill advised. I think the whole thing has been. I think he's. I think for for to put it in crude terms, I think flashing your ass to Manchester City in in the way that he has done so kind of openly mm-hmm. is is poor. I think it's poor from him. I think the way he's he's It's the only card he's had to play though, isn't it? He's in he's in he's literally though, no mate? leverage. Is it because I mean He's no leverage otherwise. Well, he's he's well, got three years you, left on his deal. But do you know what there is for a start? Handing in a transfer request. Doing it well, behind I mean, the scenes. But this is this it's is what I mean. Only leverage. But this is what I mean in terms of um in terms of him trying to protect his legacy. Like I think there's I do think there's a genuine part of him that is that doesn't want the fan base to turn on I me. Mean, I think it means a lot to him to be liked. And I don't think he wants to become a pariah. Do, I, I do genuinely you know, think in, that's... in that same in that same interview he said it would mean more to him to win stuff for England than it than any trophy would at Tottenham. You know? I it's I the the stuff there that I I, th- I I think yeah, he he has he has one sort of one eye on it, but Ultimately, I also think it's a guy that, yeah, he, he probably doesn't want to come out and say like, oh yeah, you know, when I did wear that Arsenal shirt for the parade, I actually did kind of quite like Arsenal when I was a kid, but, you know, I was 10 years old <laughs> and my dad slapped it out of me sort of thing, you know, have a bit of a joke about it. But he he, you know, he doesn't... Cons- I was also in the academy and everyone had to go and they're all my mates. Yeah, you know, but it, it's... <sighs> I, I just... I, I, I have I have felt I've, I've felt quite disappointed by the sort of I guess the free reign he's perhaps given his people, whether it's his brother or whoever oh, it it's is his that's brother. around him. It's it's fucking CK sixty six in a yeah. shitty little company riding off his brother's coattail. To 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 do this this kind of leaking bits and bobs here and there to the press, but the the uncomfortable feeling for me is that Harry Kane is like by doing this he. He's he's not perhaps yeah perhaps he's not handing in the transfer request because he's not desperate to leave Tottenham. He's not going to down tools because I mm. don't think he's that type of bloke either. I don't think it's just about protecting his legacy. We said I that think, about Gareth Bale, but he stopped turning up to training. I think I I even think Kane's a different proposition to Bale though. I think Kane is. I think there's something. I think if I'm going to say like to be brutally honest, there's something sort of. Quite old school, maybe you know, gammon people might call it now, but I don't even want, I don't even want to reduce it to those terms. I think there's something quite old school about Kane, where I think a lot of this stuff about like being true to your word and having kind of whatever it is, a sense of integrity or honour is is something that means a lot to him, you know. And I think right, if we are going to use the word gammon, it probably comes out in the England stuff, and that's probably why I'm. Being a bit harsh and saying that you know I feel butt hurt because he <laughs> said he'd rather win the World Cup with England because there's a certain amount of that Jack where we're about to go into a Euros and he's the England captain and he's that's true he's and he's, and he's, he's a captain of a country that seems to hate him overall so he's trying to win yeah exactly with so him. he's probably trying to win some fans over there and all that sort of stuff like because I'm sure in previous interviews he'll have given the opposite um, answer and I'm sure I've seen interviews with him where he said. He, he's as desperate to win a trophy with Tottenham as he is with England and he, he sort of tread that line finally before but he sort of the prospects between either of them winning a fucking trophy right now are fairly fucking bleak so it doesn't really matter what he says because he's not really going to change his, his prospects but it's 
I think, do you want to know my sort of the, the other side of this? Because I've sort of, in the conversation we've had so far, I've come out as sort of more of a hurricane apologist than you have. And that's that's not wholly been my experience of this um, this transfer saga to date. So I'll, I'll, I'll be more honest with my emotions because you've, you've seen them when I've been texting you. Because there's, there's been the odd moment and not in response to anything in particular, just sort of, like you say, we are evolved animals and um, evolved to a certain sense. Um, and, you know, we are led by our emotions where I've been disappointed, I've been sort of hopeful he might stay, I've tried to rationalise where he might go and if he could go, who can afford him, what we might get out of it, if it's if it's worth our time him going, if it's worth more to us that he stays and we lose him for less, all that sort of shit I've been going through. And then in my darkest moments, I've kind of had the thought, ah, fuck you. Yeah, if, if you don't want to be here anymore, don't be here anymore. Like, go to Man City, win your hollow titles with the money. It'll mean fuck all because literally you could be anyone. You could be Jamie Vardy enjoying Man City and you'd still win. So, yeah, fucking Scott Carson's there and he's winning shit. Like, it don't matter who you are. It's not a sporting achievement. All you are is... a propaganda tool for a state that are trying to hide the human rights offences you're not going to give a fuck with that but it really when you, you come back at the end of your life and you look at it and you think oh would would one trophy with Spurs have meant more than fucking 60 with Man City I think we all know what the answer is um, and you, you just become another another player in sky blue that does all this and you know what when you go to Man City I'd find it really funny if you crack your ankle and don't actually play for a year and, and we'll see how much the, the, the fan base like you then when you're, you're half full stadium in Eastlands that's a shithole anyway. Enjoy it when it's constantly raining fucking Cheshire and you can't go to sheesh kebab every fucking week. Like, <laughs> you, you know, make a rod for your own back. You'll have a lovely mansion in Cheshire, but it's still shite. Like, I don't know what you're expecting to, to move up to up here. Like you're going to have to hang around with Kyle Walker again. That sounds great while he's shagging brasses in flats around the fucking place. Like, it's, like You've got a nice family set up here at a club that loves you and you're going to try and trade that in after a few bits of fucking silver, mate. So just... It's one of them. He is... And that's a that might be a churlish point, but this is a genuine fact is that he is another serious ankle injury away from, you know, really threatening in his actual production because he's that's happened enough now that if another one happens and it's a, a bad one, well, you don't know what version of Harry Kane comes back from it because how much of his fucking ankle's left at the end of it? Like, if it, if if he's not producing to the way he's producing, like, he's, he's worse off for it. Like, Man City aren't going to be, like sitting around and waiting for that. If the next if the next Haaland comes around in a year or two, they're gonna be buying him instead and you'll be you'll be, you know, last season's sort of flavour of the month sort of thing. Like the only place where you guarantee a legacy you know, given a, a run in the team until literally you cannot play anymore and will be hero worshipped regardless. You, you're injured, winning shit, scoring regardless. Like people actually being overly apologetic for you if you're not scoring, all that sort of shit. People who sit on a podcast and argue, even though you're not fully fit, you should have played anyway in cup, major cup finals. Man City fans aren't going to be doing that. They're going, oh, Kane's not fully fit. We'll play Jesus, like sit on the bench at the very best. Like they're not going to give a shit about you. They might do for five minutes when you sign and like a few kids want to buy your kit, but you'd 
yeah, Phil Foden, Phil Foden's club. there, boy. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Phil Fo- Phil Foden, De Bruyne, Sterling. This, you know, and he's not gonna. He's not going to replace Aguero in their affections. He's not going to go there now and he doesn't have enough time to break his records or anything like that. He's not going to be able to replicate that Aguero moment and all that sort of shit. Like, you, you're just not going to be that man there. Like, uh, you, I don't know what... Other than getting your trophies, I don't know what you're getting out of the experience, mate. Like, did, did, yeah, you get to work with Guardiola, but that's not guaranteed to be a success. The last time he spent this amount of money on a striker was fucking Ibrahimovic. And how did that work out? Did you see, like, on the point about Manchester City? Did you see the uh, the trophy lift? I I I don't think no, I've, I've not I've not watched it. I don't think I've honestly I don't think I've ever seen a team less asked about winning the Premier League. Like, well, they've done it five times now. Like you know, it's just a thing for them. They've they've done it this season almost by default, and the thing that they want to win is the Champions League, which I think they might bottle worryingly. Um, but we'll see what we, because they're weird about the Champions League anyway because there was some daft cunt who a few weeks ago wrote like it might have been a couple of months ago now actually wrote something about how like Man City fans don't care about the Champions League because they've got no over. history in the competition and it's just like this is why we don't like you here for all that sort of just oh shut up man you're, just because you're shitting you, it it's the one thing you can't win so you belong in League 2 like fuck off man like, yes. I genuinely hate them it's yeah it's, it's very bizarre it's um it's one of those things that I I always remember, like in my uh, in in my old workplace. Um, one of the sort of young lads, there, he was about eighteen at the time. Purdy, if you're listening, you probably won't be, but you know, hello. Um, he he just couldn't wrap his head around the fact that when I was sort of saying to him, like you know, I don't see Manchester City as a big club still, despite everything that they've won. And I sort of put it into the context to him of at the time of well. If I told you now that, you know, in 20, in 10 years time, we'd we'd be looking, yeah, Coventry, Stoke, someone like that is challenging for the title, challenging for the Champions League. Would you, would you deep down in your sort of the the pits of your soul still think Stoke are a massive team now? And he, he just couldn't, he, he was just like, but that's not the same, is it? It's like, no, but, but it, it actually is. I've seen exactly Manchester City as a team that's often been relegation fodder and playing in the lower leagues for the majority of my life, you know? And it's, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe somebody like Wolves is a better example nowadays, but it's 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 a funny one. I mean, you know, like, like we say with, with Kane, I think with all the... With all the rationalising behind it, I can begrudgingly understand why he would want to leave. But you know, it, and this is this is kind of to my point on the on the Chelsea stuff. I just think his hunger, his desire for that tangible, quantifiable success to be able to sort of say, other than his golden boots and everything that he's sort of won in spite of the team, is. Look, here's me holding the Premier League. Fuck you all, and I. I just worry that from Tottenham's perspective and from Harry Kane's perspective, if City try to lowball it, and I, I do want to mention something else about this as well. But if City try to lowball it, if they say, "Yeah, hundred and twenty mil, take it or leave it," because he's worth fuck off. Exactly, he's worth a lot more than that. 
if Chelsea are the one, if Kane gets pissed off because we reject it and it starts getting ugly and Chelsea want to capitalise on that and say, here's 150, 160, 170 mil with the view to rising to around 200 mil if we win the league, if Kane scores X amount of goals. I just worry that that perfect storm could be there for Levy to just say like, you know what, go on then. And then... I would. If Kane I would is, almost if, prefer it to happen that way. I I don't want because it to happen if he goes, I, can, I cannot he, stand the thought of him playing for them. I yeah, and that's 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 the reason why I'd prefer it because I sort of I have that level of sort of like just meh about City in general. Yeah. But I'd still watch him and like I'd miss him and I'd be like, oh fuck, look at him having fun playing. Tiki Taka and all that sort of shit, like, oh. Getting on I the do. end of fucking passes from Foden and De Bruyne, you know? Exactly, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I wish we could have done that for him and all yeah. that sort of stuff. If it goes to Chelsea, I genuinely, like, wish the worst for him. And, like, I almost, there's a vindictive side of me that almost, oh, if he's not playing for Spurs, ACL, you'd want it. Yeah. Just, I'd just be like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, that, that part of me that had already had that temptation to already tell him to go fuck himself would be fully, like, bought in at that point. And I just, and I'd, I'd almost, like to be able to have a clean break from him and not watch him playing for a club I don't care about playing well and be like, oh shit, like that's what we used to have. I'd rather it be a messy breakup and go to somewhere like Chelsea and just go, oh, you know what? You're a cunt now. Fuck off. Be a cunt with your cunt friends. You ain't coming back here afterwards. Like, it's done. No, I don't know. Like, but the, this is the thing with um, the other part I was going to make is sort of the validation side for it for him. Because you're you're on about the whole point of like people you know shoving it in the face and holding the Premier League and everything. But like we said with the the Man City trophy lift and stuff like nobody watched them lift the trophy this year other uh, other than City fans like and, and, he, and the half people them did. probably didn't either. Yeah, but this is the thing, like, you know, that that moment of, like, he's expecting his name to be in lights and headlines, Kane's finally done it, like, I don't think anyone gives a shit because it's the default for City to win. The, like, he's not the story of winning the league at City, it's just, it's just what that club does now because they've spent enough money to do it. Like, even... I... I the, the, when somebody sits down with him and has a conversation and talks him through this, and they might have done already, I'm not sure, but they kind of have to put to him just, you know, what do you want out of your career? What do you want sort of people to look back and remember you for? Is it to be part of just another generic, very rich city team who've won this and that? Or do you want to actually push yourself and, and be part of a, a change at a club where they haven't been that and almost be our Aguero figure, be somebody who actually matters because you're trading all that in if you go elsewhere. You literally just become another bloke. And I think the thing that he enjoys the most at Spurs is the fact that he isn't another bloke. Um, And it's our failure as a club. I mean, we keep talking about him and what he wants and everything. It's our failure as a club and as an ownership and as a board that it's got to this point anyway, and it's born out of the the poor decisions we talked about previously. Um, like we, we shouldn't, Harry Kane isn't to blame for the fact that he wants out of the club. The, the team is, and the the fucking 
the the chairman and the owner is that the fact that the relationship's got to this point where he's as you say he's flashing his ass at City and everything. We are currently wasting the 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 best talent in the club's history, most likely, um, and you know this season, if anything's probably underlined that and made that a less uh, controversial statement. Um, it's absolutely it's borderline criminal, mate. It's yeah, it is, it is, and and uh, uh, when you put it through that parameter, then yeah, he's well within his rights to go. I've had enough of this. I want to go elsewhere. Um, but it's yeah, it's we just um, there's a there's a way we save this this season because it it wouldn't be the first time a big talent has made a stink and has made noises about wanting to leave and not got their way several people in many different sports have done it many different times I think I did that speech on a different podcast and more often than not they end up staying because it's easier to make them stay than not and if we do make him stay it's imperative that the club actually does something this summer to re-engage him and actually make the club something worth believing in and a, a prospect to be with longer term again because uh, if we can end this season with a manager in place that's recaptured his imagination, a squad in place that's challenging for things, you know, back in the Champions League sort of places, back in the hunt, actually looking at as if we could make a title tilt in the next year or two and get into the latter stages of cup competitions, then that should be the point where we sit down with them and go, here's an extra 1500 grand a week on top of what we're already paying you, greatest paid player in the history of the club, highest paid player at the club at present, you're a talisman, you know, by that point, Hugo's probably going to move on in a year or two, if not this one, he's the captain's armband, you become Mr Tottenham, you know, we'll get the statue maker moulding your fucking thing ready for when you break Greaves' record yeah, already. We won't use the one that Ronaldo used for that. Airport. Yeah, 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 exactly, We or the one that did that weird... Ledley one, um, <laughs> like we'll we'll actually get a decent one made of you, and all that sort of shit. Like we'll we'll. I'd forgotten all about that one. <laughs> just, just the photo of Ledley sort of standing next to it, kind of unimpressed. Like, cheers, it's, guys. It's really weird. It looks like it's almost like a criminal drawing, isn't it? And like, um, yeah, it's, it's it's really shit. The Ledley one, yeah. And that's got nothing to do with the club, though. I don't think. I think that's more just a a council thing. Yeah. Um, around where he was born but and everything but yeah there is a there is a way of salvaging this it's a it's not an easy task but it's one that the club should uh, should be up for because uh, it's it's a damn sight more preferable than any of the alternatives one thing I do want to say quickly and I, I tweeted to this effect as well but as much as we're kind of keen to dig him out one thing I do want to say in defence of Daniel Levy um, with regard to this whole thing and the way it's currently being twisted and manipulated is that I don't for a second want to entertain this whole any fucking bullshit about Daniel Levy being a hard negotiator about him being having a gentleman's agreement about him somehow being stubborn Harry Kane is literally priceless to this club. He is, I mean, Mm -hmm. we can put a figure on it, but when all is said and done, he is priceless. There is no amount of money that anybody could pay us for Harry Kane that would essentially plug the gap that he leaves when he goes, if he goes. 
But mm-hmm. there's an amount of money that can help soften the blow, of course, before anybody says, oh, you could buy Icardi or mention a load of other names at me, but whatever. Manchester City, let's, 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 let's get it right, have a bottomless pit of money. So any sort of insinuation that they would struggle to even pay us 500 million for Kane is a farce. It's it's they have that much money that even oh, Sheikh's got it down back of his sofa. Precisely. So to 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 suggest that their upper limit would be 100 million, then fuck off. Go yeah. go and buy take a gamble on Haaland. You know, it might be a very calculated gamble and the lab might be very good, but at the same time, who knows? He comes to the Premier League and he's more interested in clubbing and shagging and building his brand when he gets over here. He doesn't adapt well to being not the big dog anymore. He, you know, does his ACL or whatever, but I mean, less on that. He's just a flash in the pan. Who knows, you know? But take take that gamble. Take your money elsewhere. Pay pay out Haaland's release clause. If you want if you want Harry Kane, he's got three years left on his contract. And this is this is for Kane as well. Like I'm sure you're listening. But for his people, I think they need to understand the fact as well that he ain't gonna get like we're not gonna whatever you want us to talk about, these nebulous gentlemen's agreements and stuff, the fact that we're even that we would even be prepared to sit around the negotiating table with another club, with our star asset that is worth, like I say, a priceless figure to the club, is a gentleman's agreement enough, mate. Like, the fact we'd even entertain the idea of him going to a rival within the Premier League is gentlemanly enough, you know? Because these sort of clubs that you want to go to wouldn't wouldn't have it. None of them would at all. So you don't actually know what this gentleman's agreement is no. like. I mean, but basically, if he if he wants Tottenham to be the sort of club that challenges and wins things, it's we're the sort of club that say, "Then sorry, Harry, you're not going anywhere." And maybe that's what he wants. Maybe that's because this is what other people have speculated about. I'm not so sure it's true, but maybe this is him with his final roll of the dice to say, "Look, I can only make this so clear to you. I want to win this stuff. I've never said I want to leave Tottenham." But I've never said I'd stay here my entire life either. Those are his words, right? I've never said yeah. I want to leave Tottenham. I've never said I want to stay here for my whole career either. Maybe it's his final thing of being like, get it fucking right this summer. Like, mm-hmm. do it. Spend the money. Build around. Because I've done my part of the bargain now. And it's it's time for you lot to... Oh, I'm to sure it, there's an element you know? of that. And I think... I think... I think it's probably be good... And it's something we should do more of because, like, in that documentary, in that, like, he doesn't know that Pochettino's being sacked. It's clear that he doesn't know that Mourinho's being sacked and stuff. At some point, you've got to pay people who are that big and that influential in your club a bit of lip service. And that doesn't mean that we, we start, like, bringing him in on board meetings and stuff, but you do give him a choice. Like, not a choice, but you, you do make him feel as if his voice is being heard a bit more than it currently is. Like He's oh, more Harry. than just a player to us, right? Exactly, 100%. So, Harry, we were having a look at this lad for 
um, 60 mil. What do you reckon? What do you make of him? Here's, um, here's a Y Scout compilation. We can have emailed over to your brother. Uh, do you reckon he'd fit in well around here? Do you, who do you fancy? Who do you think's good? Oh, this is a lad we're thinking about having bringing in his coach. It's one of the two of these. Like, do you want to have a word with him? Do you want to, you know, which one do you think would would suit the club better? Who 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 entices you more? Who do you want to work with more? Like, you could literally just be saying it just to say it. It could be going in one ear out the other. But to let make the man feel like more appreciated, more part of the club, more as if like. He's got to say in the direction we're going and what we're doing. Like that might go some way to actually making him want to stay because you can't just treat him like he's anyone else, and then him perform like he isn't, and then you know flip flop when it comes to him leaving or not leaving. Like you've got to do a bit of both, and it is you know this isn't something that then obviously becomes a a case for every player at the club because every player at the club isn't going to become Harry Kane, and the best player at the club post Harry Kane is still not going to be as good or as important as Harry Kane was to the club like it's an irreparable thing I don't think that in our lifetime at least we see another player who who has this sort of stature and meaning at the club his, his story is fairly unique and, and is unlikely to be redone anytime soon so it's is it, like I say, there's a there's a way of salvaging this, and there's a way of actually improving and and building on that relationship going forward, and and then this just being a a blip of a summer where he's he's kicked up a bit of a stink because a stink needed to be kicked up, but we sorted it, and it's just a momentary blip where the relationship wasn't as good as it should have been, um, or he fucks off and goes somewhere else. And I guess uh, if we're talking about momentary blips, if we were to say consider the past season and a half, two seasons as a momentary blip, we've had enough time now. I think everyone's, all parties have had enough time now to put things behind us and look at this rebuild. And what better man to lead that rebuild than Mauricio Pochettino? Mate, I mean, we... It's all up in the air. Who knows at the moment? So we can't go on for about it too long, and the podcast running on quite long as it is. But that's that's a way to get my love for this club right back at, on on top again. I mean, I know it's all misty eyed, and I know that there would come with a lot of uh, ifs and buts about it. But it's one of those things that, like, when you just the the second it started to even seem like it was a realistic possibility that Pochettino could come back, all I can say is is my immediate reaction was just joy. Do you know what I mean? It was like a almost like a sense of relief that I don't think any any other managerial somebody could say, oh, actually, you know, Spurs have managed to get Klopp in or Guardiola or whoever. I do you know what I mean? I don't know, but. Even Nagelsmann, had we got a Nagelsmann over the line, I'd be like, yeah, cool, let's see what happens. But with Poch, it's like, you know what, we might not win it all, it might still be doomed to failure, but I think the past sort of year and a half or so has really, I guess, hammered home that you want to sort of believe and you want to care about the club as best you can um, in this kind of landscape of ESL, hyper-modernity, hyper-franchised, brand-led football. 
Um, and Pochettino is, is just a, a nice kind of, I guess, bridge between the old and the new, isn't he? And that's kind of, I think, partly what made him such a successful manager. We were talking about Mourinho and the differences between their approach and management. And I think it was on one of our old podcasts. It's always sort of stuck with me. I think you compared. And this was around the time that Mourinho wasn't even in the conversation for Tottenham. This is, I think, when we were just reflecting on how he was doing at United or something like that. And I think you put it in the terms of like, you know, Mourinho's like the old-fashioned dad, the one that kind of tries to inspire his kids by just, you know, making them call him sir and like never giving them a hug and never telling them that, you know, he loves them, even if he does, but he just wants to try and draw that out of them. Whereas mm-hmm. Pochettino's always been more like the big brother, the one that will like give you shit and tell you when you're being shit, but then at the end of the day will still put his arm around you and be like, come on, lad, you know, you, you know, I'm only saying it because of, you know, because I know you can do better kind of thing. And yeah. it's, I just, I don't know, as a fan base, as a club, as everything, I think it would be... Oh, we really need it. It would be a... You know, I mean, it's it's... It's so perfect that it's so unlikely to happen because those type of things don't happen to us. But it would, it would go a long way to healing a lot of um, a lot of what's broken in an emotional sense and a lot of what's broken in a sort of uh, an engagement sense. Um, I think both parties have have come to realise that the grass isn't greener. Because uh, there was always during Pochettino's first stint, there was always rumours about him going elsewhere and experiencing different things, and he's done that now. And he, you know, even though he's won two trophies in the you know few months he's been there, like it doesn't seem to have have um, have meant as much. And the fact that you know the fact that this conversation clearly isn't um, just a no or not yet, or the fact that it's being entertained and clearly being entertained shows that there's there's something else there. And I think Levy's at a point now where he would he would have to bend the knee a little bit to Pochettino coming back in because the the, the points he'd made previously he's been proven right on. And you kind of you can't bring him back and then repeat previous mistakes because you're just gonna end back in the same place and you're gonna end back in the same place twice as fast as you did the previous time. He, you kind of have to have to let the man get on with the job, um, and he's, you know, and he's he will have the the legitimacy to do that because you've sacked him and it's not worked out and you've had to pay him off and now he's back, and you know nobody really likes you but they all love him. Like you've got to let the bloke fucking work. I think because um, what, what you're touching on there as well is this, is and it's not to. In, invalidate the sort of the legitimacy of the of the emotional point and the emotional connection that we have here but i think even just on a on a cold tangible business sense it makes the most sense in such a pivotal pivotal point for tottenham <coughs> again a man who knows if you imagine like if you look at this as a as a logistical proposition right to to get really boring about it somebody like levy is going to be thinking, well, I don't need to get this bloke up to speed with how we work, with our everyday processes, with how the club operates, with him settling, finding a place, with that kind of stuff. So that nightmare is off, 
right? He's, he's not having mm-hmm. to worry about that. He's not having to worry about getting to grips with everybody behind the scenes, with the facilities, with what they do have available to them, how things operate at the club. Nothing at all. Not just that, but it's going to be like an episode of fucking Cheers when he walks back in. Precisely. And he's also a bloke that is now going to say, right, two years ago, you weren't good enough for me. And I'm sorry, mate, you're not good enough for me now. And this is the painful rebuild and it's going to happen. So it is going to be bye-bye die. Oh, yeah, because... It's going to be bye-bye die. Toby's out the bye-bye door. Bye-bye Winks. Bye-bye Toby, you know? And it's it's these names that we've all sort of said, oh, but, you know, maybe someone could get a tune out of them. Maybe Mourinho didn't coach them well. Maybe if Conte comes in, he's a new coach. And he could, no, you know, as we've sort of said, you can you can attribute a lot to Mourinho, but at the same time, there is a, there is a core of players who... Maybe they will go on and do it. All this kind of bullshit. Our trippy has gone off and won the league elsewhere, and so on and so. Ericsson's gone and won it elsewhere. But it's, it's, on the Trippier point, though, yeah. people are acting as if like he was fucking Cafu when he was of, with us. Like, of, of he course, wasn't, but, it, but like, it's, he was shit. But it's it's not just about. To me, it's not just about the individual ability of these players, and I don't even think it was for Pochettino. I think when you see him talking in the. In the interview with Lineker, it's very interesting. It's very interesting to watch it back now in retrospect as well. I would recommend anybody do it. It's he he's 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 not being disrespectful to these players on an individual level to to say they're not good enough or anything. He's just talking about refreshing. He's saying we've got a new house. We need to refresh it. We need to put new furniture in there. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not all about you know. It, we can say oh there's still a tune in Toby Alderweireld. Maybe there is. You know, Jan Vertonghen has gone on and he's he's done well at Benfica, and that's no surprise because Jan Vertonghen was a great player, and and is a great player. It is a great player exactly. And Toby Alderweireld is a great player, but I think it's all just it's we know that it's stagnated. At there Tottenham. are different stages of their career as well. Like we, and it's not we. Because of the lack of business we did under Pochettino, we put so many more miles on the clocks of these players in, in such a condensed amount of time. And Pochettino will have known this better than anyone else. That he knew that he couldn't ask them to do that again. Like they didn't have enough in them for what he wanted of them. And that doesn't mean they're a bad player. That just means that they need a move to either a club that's going to ask less of them or a league that's going to be easier for them to coping physically and that's what Vertonghen's done that's what Toby should do if you know there was links to him going to like Bruges or something I'm sure in January if he did that he'd be the best defender in Belgium he'd get to play at the national team like he'd piss it he'd probably get to go back in the Champions League or if he wants to go back to Ajax or something happy days but there's just I've made this point previously and 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 it's both a good and a bad thing about us, but it's it's more bad in this sense is that we're overly sentimental with players. We we try and give them too much time. We try and hold on to them too long. We're not we're not great at selling. We we become too emotionally attached to certain people, and that's like I say, it's a good thing at some points because we care and they care about us, and you know it feeds in and off that fan player club relationship is brilliant, especially under Pochettino the way it was, but. You know, we've we've exercised previously, but the first noise that Ericsson made where he was like, ah, maybe I don't sign this contract, uh, maybe I fancy something else. That's at the point where he's at his maximum value. We go, all right, Chris, thank you very much for your service. We'll get the best possible deal for you now. We'll get 50, 60 million for you while you're at the peak of your powers. 
and we'll actually get to spend the majority of that. Actually, what we'll do is we'll go, go out and buy 50, 60 million pounds worth of someone else before we sell you, and then we'll fuck you off afterwards sort of a thing. Whereas what we actually did was we had 10 more conversations with him where we were like, are you sure you want to... Do you want to stay? And he's like, no, lads, I genuinely, I, I do just fancy doing something else. Like, a week later, Chris, about that, do you want to stay? Like, why are we doing this fucking dance where we've done that for so long, he's becoming disengaged, he's now said it publicly, so clubs aren't going to want to pay a premium for him anyway. Um, and it, we've lost, what, 40, 50 million on a player who wasn't worth the 20 that we sold him for. Like, we've done that so many times. The only time we've actually sold a player in good time was Kyle Walker. We should have done it with Danny Rose. Danny Rose wants to go to Man United, Man City for 50, 60 million. Off you go, Danny, mate. Thank you very much for your service. Very much enjoyed our time with you. You know, brilliant. Eric Dyer wants to go be shit at Man United for 50 million. Off you go, Eric. Enjoy your time with Jose. He's not going to be there for much longer. You're not going to be there for much longer. You're probably going to be in Everton in two years, but, you know, peace be upon you, we'll have fucking 60 million for you. Off you go. Like These are decisions we should be making for, and obviously Anzac's 2020 and everything, but we just cling on to people for too long. And, you know, even players we still love to this day. And like, I've got a really soft spot for the likes of Eric Lamella and things, but, oh, Roma want you, Eric, for 25, 30 mil or whatever they were going to pay for you. Off you go, Eric. Like, we can get another squad player in for that. We can you know, top our squad up with somebody else for that amount of money. Like, There's only certain players you should be completely hands-off with and completely like, nah, it doesn't matter what you offer for him, we're keeping him. Hugo's one um, for now, uh, at least. Where, to be honest, if, I, if we could give him another two years and then go at the end of that two years, Hugo, we'll just let you go for free. You can go back to Nice. You can retire there with your family and, you know, enjoy it in the south of France and sort of thing. Then I think he'd be fine. Uh, Harry, obviously. Sonny. Uh, Delhi to an extent. That sort of a profile. Tangy a little bit. Like, you, there's certain plays you've just got to, you've got to prioritise who means that much to you and who is, who can be replaced and is replaceable. And we, we haven't done that enough. We, we become wedded to these squads and these players in a in a far broader sense than we should do. And we need to be a bit more cutthroat and ruthless and, and refresh the squad a bit quicker and, and be a bit more... Um, be a bit more proactive in these sort of things. And that doesn't mean that I want every season us to be doing fucking 10-player turnovers because that's the other end of the spectrum where nobody ever settles. But if it's a we do one big sale and a couple of big purchases every other year, then that's fine. It's new new blood in the door, a bit of refreshment, some, a new dynamic within the squad, somebody to push, somebody to sort of keep the other lads on their toes, all that sort of shit. Like, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever way we look at this, mate. It's 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 time for Tottenham to to change, isn't it? And I mean, that's that's kind of the biggest reflection we can take from this whole period. Pochettino called it two years ago. We've tried over the past two years to maintain this kind of playing by these old rules that just aren't going to work anymore. Like you like you're saying, the brinkmanship the protracted nature of our transfers, transfers not getting done until the last day of the window to try and squeeze a couple of, you know, pounds extra or less, depending on which way they're going. 
it's time to just start operating in a different way because that's the club we've built. And yeah, can you imagine like us going to like this might not happen, but for an example, us going to Palace. And they're like, all right, it's forty million for Wilfred Zaha. Wilfred Zaha, by the way, I don't think we need or particularly. I, I know what you're saying, though. Yeah, but we got a, a realistic Paris, potential yeah. target for us. Exactly. Parish goes, it's forty million for Zaha, and uh, Levy goes, oh, we've we've got twenty eight for you here, and then five million, five million thing in, and Parish is like, no, it's forty million. We're we're selling him for forty million. Like, well, that's that's the price. I'm like, okay, we'll give you thirty two. No, it's forty million. Like you, you're a fucking giant club. You've just spent a billion pounds on a stadium. You can't. We can't be doing this anymore. We're, it's not. We're not at White Hart Lane anymore. We're not a small club anymore. Like these clubs will just tell us to fuck off if we're not paying what they need to pay. Like, look at the way Chelsea do their business. Like, Havertz cost this much. All right, is the money you want for him? We'll take him now. Werner cost this much. All right, is the money for him? We'll take him now. Like there aren't clubs that endlessly over-negotiate for players. Like, that's not the way it works anymore. Even Man United, like, one of the reasons they're so incompetent or, and, and definitely were when Woodward was in charge was they pissed around with Sancho. Sancho wanted to come. They wanted Sancho. They didn't pay the price for him, so Dortmund didn't sell. You've got to pay the price for some people now and you've got to just fucking like it or lump it. There's, there is some negotiation you can do. There is some some brinkmanship you can do, but not on every single deal, not on every single penny. Cause Especially when you're talking about Norwich City right-backs, you know? Exactly, like, fucking... If, if they want 20, 30 million for this kid and we've got no functional right-back, just pay him the money. Pay him the money, take the kid, buy him and do it. Like, we were, we waited a year too long to buy Sessignon and that didn't work out for us. We... We've missed out on plays we should have bought previously, Eze and all that sort of stuff. Like, we should just be doing these deals. These should these should be our bread and butter deals. Yeah. And this is what I said. I think it was in the last podcast. We weren't a, sh- a club shy of doing a deal previously. We'd just buy players, and we'd we'd you know we'd buy the fucking John Bostocks of the world. What, and stuff what, like why is why is Jude Bellingham gone to Dortmund? You know? Oh, exactly. And and why now are we not sort of going how much for him quietly? Precisely. Like if if somebody and this is one of the things I, I do think because I don't want it to go on too long now, but if Kane does go, say Kane goes, whatever, what happens? We got hundred and fifty mil in the bank. What what you can be assured is that not only for kind of like because we're not going to replace his impact on the pitch, but like we say, there is a gaping hole left by Harry Kane, and that's in the brand, that's in the perception of the club, the optics we will need to sign a big, exciting player. And be that... I, I, oh, if not two. Mate, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, to see us buy someone like Sancho, or at least go for him. I'm not saying because I think that's who we need or what we what we require as a, as a club on the pitch, but for his, his kind of value, his off-pitch value, the perception of who he is within the game now. Yeah, it's, it's, so I think it would be somebody like a Sancho... <laughs> I mean, it's been joked about, I wouldn't be surprised if we did kind of just say to Erling Haaland, would you ever be interested in coming to us? If somebody uh, else didn't buy no. Of course. But, you know. But We'd do something like, with Conte leaving Inter, I wouldn't be surprised if we went, oh, here's 800 million for Lukaku. Yeah. Can we have him back in the Premier League sort of a thing? You know, and it probably wouldn't be the worst deal in the world, that at all, by any stretch. No, um, but that's that's the sort of thing you'd have to do. Yeah. 
And it's just, it is time for, for Tottenham to wise up a bit. So we'll see. We've, we've said this all season, though, Jack. You've, we have built and created a, a super club. And we have jumped into bed with other super clubs and we've done everything possible to act and look, no, not to act, sorry, to look and appear as a super club. But we have yet to fucking act like one. And there's come a time now where you've got to pull your fucking socks up and actually, you know, walk the walk as well as talking the talk because otherwise you're making yourselves look a bigger mug by giving yourself this platform and failing to use it. Because if you you look like a big club and you operate like a small one, then you're on a hide into nothing. That's it, mate. That's it. Perfectly put, and uh, uh, a fitting end to. I mean, it's, well, it's a shit season. Although I must admit, I ended the season with a smile on my face. Fucking over Leicester and finishing above Arsenal was was a delight. Yeah, I think I, w- I was kind of like in in the back of my mind. I was like, well, I, not even in the back of my mind. I was I was quite openly being like, you know what? This is potentially the first time in my life I'm feeling like. I wouldn't really care if Arsenal finish above us, so they finish in the Conference League and all that type of shit. And then as soon as we turned the screw on Leicester and Bale scored those goals and you just saw our positions in the league table flip again, you can't help but think, ah, fucking fuck off, you fucking gooner cunts. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought just... that they're turning up with fucking signs and that about St. Tottenham's Day yeah. and all that sort of shit. And it's just, it, was, it was glorious. Ramming that shit um, down there. On this um, on this conference league thing, sorry, I know you're trying to finish a podcast, but um, just on sort of our attitudes towards things, uh, at what point did Tottenham become a club where we can turn our nose up at any sort of European success? It's true. Um, uh, we... We've we've tried to be too big for the Europa League. Have I missed the point where we've won that two or three times now? Because I, I certainly didn't get to celebrate that. Gonna... Obviously, this Conference League isn't the most desirable thing in the world to be in, and you have to go to some true, true shit, and people have been very keen on posting the type of stadiums you have to go to. But that doesn't mean we have to go and play the first 11 there. Joe Hart can go and keep goal in front of that fucking runway, and maybe that plane will do us a favour. Do, do, um, do you want to know a hot take, mate? What? Winning the Europa Conference would be bigger than winning the League Cup. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's yeah. that's kind of the only sort of way and, we need to frame it. Not just that, but if we fail to win the Europa Conference, some serious fucking questions need to be asked given the the state of the other clubs in that competition. Yeah, I mean the the only the yeah we run into Roma or someone like that, then I can. Oh, yeah, that's understandable. But when like. You're in the group stages and you've been seeded and you're literally playing a team who's playing in a park next to an airfield. Mate, the or, majority of these teams I've honestly... and Never I, heard of. Yeah, and I feel like I'm somebody that knows a fair bit about football having been kind of living and breathing it for the best part of 30 years now. Literally never heard of half of these teams. No. Not even like when I've done random searches for odd talents on football championship manager when I used to play it back in the day. Do you know what I mean? Like where you oh, yeah. acquire your sort of weird and random sort of football knowledge from never, ever, ever, ever. I couldn't, honestly, 
I couldn't even pronounce half of them. There you go. No. There you go. And seriously, on some of them, this might be a slightly unfair, but genuinely one of my first thoughts when I was reading some of these locations and place names is, I wonder what the over-under on monkey chance is going to be as, as we go to some of these places. Like, you fuck's sake, yeah, Jack. I know. As a, as a man of my uh, yeah. persuasion, that was my first thought was, oh, this is going to be a tough tough, tough trip for some of these black lads. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's it is... Just, that, as soon as it? Dane Scarlett scores his eighth in outer Romania, those fucking feral incestuous men that are over there in wherever the fuck they are are not going to be taken kindly to that. No. Um, well, that's um, that's some food for thought, isn't it? Let's uh, let's hope that that's not the case. Let's hope that the world can uh, somehow surprise us, but you know. Not likely, is it? I don't mean to offend the Romanians either. Any, any, it could have been any random European state. You, that you, I you did that. say outer Romania, which I'm sure is kind of not an actual place. It's like one of those fictitious places that the, you know, when Netflix make those the Christmas prince films and they visit. Yeah. <laughs> she marries a prince from, yeah, yeah, in a Waristan or whatever they call it. In a Waristan, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which is is actually one of the places where the Europa Conference is going to be. So the final's been held, no less. Um, But yeah, I hope you have enjoyed the season. I'm sure when we assign a manager, we'll probably come back and do a pod, so this won't be the last you've heard from us for a while. But, uh, well, it might be the last you've heard from us for a bit, but who knows. Yeah, until the Kane deal goes through or something. Yeah, Kane. Yeah, we'll do another pod for when Kane goes. We'll do another pod for when the when Pochettino comes back, and then for when we sign Erling Haaland and Mbappe. Yeah, when Martinez is the manager. Don't, don't. But yeah, I hope you have enjoyed. Um, Like, subscribe, click the bell, all that sort of shit that they say. They can click on you. He's ending on a high note. He's ending on a high note. (laughs) Let's leave it there. This is the end. Goodbye. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns